Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Be seated. Today's teaching will change your life. You see, there are reference teachings, there are cardinal teachings, there are foundational teachings. Just the same way in secular education, you have compulsory courses, you have elective courses. You don't get to choose every course. There are some courses that you may or may not do, but there are courses that are compulsory. And unfortunately, not only is what I'm about to teach compulsory, it is rare. Many people don't understand it. Hallelujah. But I know that it's going to save someone's life. I'm teaching on how to glorify God. How to glorify God. How to glorify God. Jesus. All right, let's get into the teaching of today. How to glorify God. What does it mean to glorify God? Look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 from verse 20. Romans chapter 1 from verse 20. It says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. But although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. What does it mean to glorify God? You know, when you look at your strongs or your lexicon, it will tell you that it simply means to esteem as glorious. And I'm wondering, how is that for a definition? You are saying the same thing in another way. What does it mean to glorify, esteem him glorious, you know? But when you think deep, that's profound. To esteem him glorious, it means to value him, to value him. To reverence him. To value him and to reverence him. Listen, this is very important. Oh my God. As simple as this is, it will change your life. Let me tell you something. Salvation miraculously gives us the capacity to value what others cannot value. It's a miracle of perspective. Because the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who do not believe lest they see glory in the face of Jesus. So there are many people to whom the gospel is presented and they don't see value. They don't see glory. But when it was presented to you, you received it as the word of God, as the very message of God. Now, that's what it means to glorify, to esteem God and his work to be as reverential as it is and as he is. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying? So now, what is obtainable in salvation? 
What is your salvific reality must now become your pragmatic reality. If you apply that same principle to every other aspect of your life, your life will change for the better. Listen, what I'm teaching is the answer to being downcast, to unnecessary depression, you know, to unnecessary anxiety. If you listen to what I'm teaching you, it will help you. Listen. So in salvation, Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the brazen serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted. And what does that say to us? The Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 21 verse 8. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when they look at it, they shall live. You know the story, don't you? And the Bible tells us in verse 9, So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole so that it was, if the serpent had beaten anyone, when he looked at the brazen serpent, he lived. Now, when you read that, you just say, oh, wow, strategy and all of that. But you see, you have to understand that this is beyond normal human proclivity. There is something about us that only wants to dwell on pain. When we're in pain, we don't want to look at anything else but the pain. And just imagine people on the floor bleeding with sores and, you know, two holes from the fangs of snakes. In fact, the snakes are not far away. There is enough reason for you to be petrified and anxious. I hope they're not coming. Imagine you see some people bitten, some before you, some after you, and you're wondering, I hope it doesn't come again. And in spite of all of that, a brazen serpent is hoisted. And God says, look away from your pain and look at the serpent. Look at this. Look and leave. Listen, therein lies a very powerful principle. Meaning, many times to save my life, I must have the ability, the presence of mind, to look away from my pain, no matter how painful it is, and to look at Jesus, he's doing. And here is the interesting thing. Looking at the pain didn't get me healed. It didn't make me better. Worrying about it. Ah, look at it. It's flowing now. He's flowing. Hey, what do I do? What do I do? Obsession with pain many times is counterproductive. Obsession with pain many times is counterproductive. And you know what is worrisome? Many times we are religious in that obsession. So every time we are praying but about pain. We are studying but about pain. That's the only usefulness of God in many lives. God is only a poverty alleviation scheme or a pain alleviation scheme. Only about pain. And that's where it becomes more precarious because it is not as obvious to see that there is a problem here. So what if you 
mastered this in your life. That no matter what happens, nothing will take my eyes away from Jesus. Because logically, I might be deceived into thinking that the way to handle pain is to nurse it at the expense of even more important things. Have you seen people who throw away valuable relationships because they are hurting? And by the time everything is settled, they don't say, sorry, I was transferring aggression. But you, you have already damaged the relationship. A lot of people, when one aspect of their life is on fire, all other things must go down. Now, because they served you breakfast, you must also be jobless. Because now, you are not effective at work. You are not meeting targets. You don't want to do anything. So, breakfast, you know, for our international audience, breakfast, breakfast is a local slang, and it's, you know, heartbreak in relationship. Now, you're not effective. Have you seen people, because of man, they fail exams? And, and here is the thing. You will move on later. By the grace of God, find a better person. But your CGPA will not change. It's grandiose foolishness. It is. It is. Some, they stop going to church. Withdraw from all their friends. I'm not just talking about, you know. So now, there are some people, money will take them away from God. Either the abundance of it or the lack of it. It is either they have a breakthrough financially and they abandon God. Or they remain in their frustration and they abandon God. So either way, because money is their idol, you see. God is just a passage to what they really want. This is a problem. You know, put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. Quite all right. Yes, we believe that you are the Messiah, Jesus, son of a carpenter from a humble background. But we see beyond all the pain and all the extra drama, you know, and everything that we are going through as a nation, we know that you are the Messiah. You know, the average Jew thought that the Messiah would be a political deliverer. But we see beyond that. We see you for who you are. Don't worry now. Yeah, you might feed 5,000 once or twice. But now they want to make you king and you won't even do that. They don't understand it, but we do. When you refuse to multiply bread and they go, we will still be here because you have the word of eternal life. But now, three and a half years is gone. You died. You rose again. You are with us 40 days. 40 days has ended. You're about to ascend. You have still not talked about anything, PVC or anything. What is going on? Let me, let me, uh, some of you know what I'm saying. Have you gone to God with an urgent problem and he was talking to you about other things? 
So they ask him, so you have said everything. Fine. You are about to ascend now. Before you go, at the elephant in the room, when will the kingdom be restored to Jerusalem? And he said, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons that God has kept in his power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the utmost parts of the world. Meaning, listen, focus on the biggest priority. Make no mistake. Make no mistake. Some people are extreme with this and they use it as an excuse to get people to be irresponsible with their civic responsibility. And that's not what it's saying here. I want a better Nigeria and God wants a better Nigeria. And if you don't have your PVC, you're wrong. I have mine. My wife has hers. And we're going to vote. However, a better Nigeria is a short-term goal. If, you, if, you're, if you're a Christian and you don't know this, you are wrong. A better Nigeria is a short-term goal. It's an important goal nonetheless. Do you understand what I'm saying? In fact, it's non-negotiable. We want a better Nigeria. Just, but, but you have to understand that the prophecy of the earth is that it will wrap it to be wrapped away like, a, like an old cloth. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And so make sure it is not either or. We shouldn't have to choose. We want a better Nigeria and a new heaven and a new earth. Come on, are you with me? But if you ever have to choose, you shouldn't have to choose, but if you ever... Make sure that your priorities are right. Proper priority will always save your life. Proper priority is ultimate consolation. Do you understand what I'm saying? Please, do you understand what I'm saying? Like I said, we shouldn't have to choose. The word of God is clear. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper. Now, that's not just individualized. It's not just for individuals. It's corporately. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health. That's the word of God. You believe it, right? But it is even as your soul prospers. Nothing should be at the expense of the prosperity of your soul. Because no matter what you gain, if you lose your soul, you are poor. Please, are you listening to me? So, and then, even if you have gained your soul in believing the gospel, you then need to value what you have. Don't let the absence of things make you devalue what is most important. What I'm saying is so simple but so important and if you get this, it will change your life. So now, like I said, for instance, when it comes to provision, I shouldn't have to choose because I know who my God is. Very thoughtful, 
miraculous in his provision. And so when he has people who had been with him for three days, they didn't, nobody asked him for food. But because he's merciful and compassionate, he said, we cannot send these people back the way they came. Some of them might faint on the road. And he multiplied five loaves and two fish. Oh no, you multiply just the bread, not the fish. I'll tell you why that's important another day. I know I'll forget to, but... All right. He multiplied five loaves and fed 5,000. On another occasion, 7,000, so that you know that it wasn't just some mode that he had. This is his consistent behavior. He's a provider. Come on, I get what I'm saying. So, listen, we are not saying, you, like I said, you shouldn't have to choose. But should I ever need to choose? Take the whole world. Give me Jesus. Come on, are you with me? If you don't have this perspective as a Christian, you have missed the point totally. Your soul still has a price and the devil can get you. He can. He can. So you must understand, the Christian balance is this. God, who will not hesitate to multiply five loaves, still says, man shall not live by bread alone. Did you hear what I said? He will not hesitate to give bread, but man shall not live by bread alone. Even when people didn't know that he could do it, he did. He provided because that's who he is. But man shall not live by bread alone. Listen, even if you are a child of God, if you live by bread, you will never be happy because bread is not to be lived by. That statement is not just good advice. It is a spiritual and a philosophical fact by the one who created you and created bread at least or the ingredients necessary for bread so this is an assessment of human needs if you live by bread, you will never be satisfied. I am explaining, I'm demystifying why some of you are so frustrated. Man shall not live by bread alone. You, you can spiritualize your determination to live by bread, asking God to provide. And like the folks in John 6, using even scriptural backing, did Moses not do it? That's what they said. Moses gave us manna. You claim to be a prophet, do it. You spiritualize your idolatry. Man shall not live by bread alone. A man's life, he said elsewhere, Luke 12, 15, should not consist or does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. So listen, there must be a balance of expectation in my life where I believe unequivocally in the willingness and the ability of God to provide. But if for any reason I look around 
and I don't have the things that I am sure I need, I will be happy still because my life does not consist. Do you understand what I'm saying? So listen, my approach to life will therefore be this. I will give life my best, work hard, work smart, be responsible, have a job, and having done all, if I don't have all these things, I will still be thankful. Please, are you listening to me? I will still be thankful. I will not be thankful only when my pocket is full because then that will not be truth, actual thankfulness. Because true biblical thankfulness is in all things, not for all things. Concerning healing, I shouldn't have to choose. Jesus is a healer. Jesus healed so often in his ministry that it was 50% of his entire earthly ministry. Healing accounted for 50% of his entire... It wasn't once in a while. He was a healer. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's what he did everywhere he went. Everywhere. He healed believers and unbelievers. People who believed he was the Messiah and people who just believed he was a prophet. He healed in different ways. He healed all plagues. He cast out disease. So I have an unequivocal conviction about the willingness and the ability of God to heal. So I shouldn't have to choose. But if ever you try to use my health to threaten my faith, then we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Meaning, before you sentence us, we have sentenced ourselves. We are not careful, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to answer you. This, this, is, this is gone beyond comprehension. I'm, I'm not going to go home and think about it. I, I don't need options. I'm not going to phone a friend. We will not bow. We will not. We will not. We look to Yahweh, Yahweh. Our hope is Yahweh, Yahweh. We look to Yahweh, Yahweh. Forever Yahweh. Turn your Bibles, James chapter 4. James chapter 4. You will truly be happy when your joy is not circumstantial. Did you hear what I said? 
James chapter 4. You know what? I was going to read verse 3, but let me start from verse 1 and follow the train of thoughts. It says, where do wars and fights come from among you? This is, this is an analysis behind every war of nations or of individuals. This is an analysis. Where, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lost and do not have. Oh my God. There are people who lost after money that they do not have. And because it is an inordinate desire, they can do anything for it. He's explaining the reason for most conflicts as we have it on the earth. You lost and do not have. So what did he then say you do? You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and you war. Yet you do, not, you do not have because you do not ask. He says you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasure. So listen, there is another principle in prayer. <laughs> and that's why the word of God must be interpreted as one. So yes, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But then he says, I actually vet your motives. So you're asking to consume it upon your lust. You see, when Jesus taught on prayer, it was so balanced. For instance, he said, if you bring sacrifices to the altar to, you know, to pray, and there you remember that someone had ought against you, he said, leave your sacrifice first and go and make peace. Meaning, your prayer will not cure your lusts. Don't use your prayer to cover it up. You pray a lot, but you're still wicked. You're still selfish. Go and deal with those things. Don't use prayer. Religious spirits to cover it up. Go and deal with it. Go and deal with it. Because God sees it. Like the young rich ruler, he can come and say, what can I do to have eternal life? I know that as important as you think eternal life is, there is something more important. If you are doubting, oh yeah, sell all you have. The same thing that Zacchaeus did voluntarily. The same thing Zacchaeus did voluntarily. Sell what you have that you might have. Okay, what if you needed to do that? The Bible says the same person turned his back. And before you say, why would God ask for something that big? Well, the fact that he turned his back on Jesus literally because of anything is what we are talking about. There are some people when their back is against the wall, they will turn their backs on God. The same people that are singing sonorously in worship. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. And so, the same God who wants his children to prosper, 
who promised the children a land flowing with milk and honey that they did not pray for. We will still serve them manna for a long time so that they will learn that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's something they must learn. And if you have not learned it, don't pray. Don't use prayer to push it aside. You have something to learn. And like I told you in the first midweek service this year, that is what pr prayer and fasting is actually meant to correct. You are not immense. So when some people are, are supposed to use the fasting to correct and repair their priorities, they are using it more to satisfy their losses. Spiritual wickedness. I remember I was walking past, oh my God. If I didn't witness it myself, I would have doubted it was true. There was a crusade close to my house in those days. And because it was a crusade, an open-air crusade, I could hear everything and see everything, even though I was not there. I was, I was on an errand. And the pastor said, you're going to pray. Lord, my, my brother's blessing, take it and give it to me. Let me ask you first. Maybe not as dramatic as that. Have you not heard prayers like that? So now, when you say, um, um, anyone, anyone sitting on your seat will go for you, or something like that, you hear all those kind of prayers. You hear all those kind of prayers. It is the same thing. Religious competition. Jesus, who will sit at your right hand in eternity? <laughs> Meanwhile, sitting there will require death. They don't want to die. You. <laughs> you think Jesus will just sit there chilling? When he was going to the cross, did he not all run away? But he wanted to sit. That's why he asked them, you want to sit? Can you drink of the cup <laughs> that I will drink? And that pastor gave backing, scriptural backing. Of course, you can guess. The blessing was with Esau. Jacob collected it. <laughs> you know, biblical gymnastics. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It takes a type of mind for that prayer to even enter. That you are creating prayer points and you think of such a thing. So what about, you know, <laughs> you now wonder what are the desires of his heart that he cannot say? If he can say that one. So going through a lot and it is logically understandable that you no longer pray 
but you have to understand how counterproductive it is. You are forsaking your own mercy, forsaking your own soul. Forsaking your own soul. What if you had a strategy in your life? No trial. This is how to glorify God. What did I say it means to glorify God? What did I say? To esteem him, what? So now, when you can do that, in spite of trials, not only will you truly be glorifying God, but you will be preserving your soul. Nothing, nothing, nothing will make me stop praising this God. I will praise him in the palace. I will praise him in lion's den. Come on, are you listening to me? I said I will praise him in the palace. I will praise him in the lion's den. I will praise him everywhere. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. In season and out of season. Come on, are you with me? Aha. 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 I'm not tiny his faithfulness or his goodness to anything even though I trust him for those things. That balance is important. So I, I said, I've said before I, at the last deeper we had here on the island that faith is not only determined by the things we get by it but by the things we are willing to lose for it. Read Hebrews 11. By faith, people received their dead back to life. And by faith, people died. <laughs> I mean, it's right there. Right after it tells you by faith, women received the dead back to life, it also told you some were sown asunder, not accepting deliverance. So it is by faith that people live, and it is by faith that people die. So let me, let me say this to you. Are you ready for the word of God? Mm -hmm. Just imagine you were there when Paul was having the conversation he had in Philippians 1. And Paul is saying, hmm, I'm in a dilemma. It's just the same way a friend wants to buy a dress and there are two nice ones. Or ladies know this. Or a friend wants to wear something out and there are two nice ones. And she's saying, which one should I wear? If you're not there, she video calls you. Which do I choose? So Paul is in a dilemma. And you say, what's the dilemma? He said, I'm choosing which is better, to die or to live. He says, if I die, it's better, far better, because I will be with the Lord. But if I remain, I will be able to do more ministry. <laughs> Think about that. Do you know when you have that perspective, the devil has already lost in your life. Because when, do you know, some Christians are even afraid of checkup. 
something I've never said before. So there was something we were applying for as a family. And so, <laughs> oh, daddy, forgive me. I'm going to say this. So my dad and I um, had to go for some tests, including HIV and some other things. So we don't do the test. We're waiting. That waiting period. Hmm? That waiting period, eh? So, as we're going, you know, as we're going, my dad began to give me unsolicited advice. He said, he said, so you see, no matter what, no. <laughs> he said, no matter the outcome. I said, ah. I look and say, wait till the outcome. <laughs> you know, have you seen Christians, Christians, Christians? Now, you, what pisses me off is they spiritualize it. They're supposed to do maybe an operation. Don't lie, you are afraid. Not everybody who will not do it is not doing it because they trust the healing power of God. You are afraid. And so, faith is consistent with your fear. So I, I'll take that. That's what many Christians do. Do, do you understand? And, and so a lot of church people have died for nothing. You don't even have to. It is true that those who save their lives will lose it. You love yourself so much. So some people, it is until what was small is now aggravated. And then you'll be asking them, why did you allow it to get this bad? Some people just check up, check up, check up. They're afraid. Afraid of the unknown. As if your fear will, re will remove it. Fear doesn't have healing power. If you get them, you get. Christians need to hear this. You know it's true. <laughs> Hallelujah. What if you believe that? You see, the devil would have lost grace gra gravely in your life if he had a perspective where, you know what, even the thing he's trying to use to scare you is an advantage. To die is gain. To die is gain. So, not even my own life will be an idol. <laughs> to, to die is gain. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Lord, I am here not for myself. I'm here to do ministry. I'm not here to, I'm not here for vibes. I will do it as effectively as I can. And when it's time to meet you, praise God. What will I be doing here on earth? that will make me consider meeting you as a disadvantage. That's foolishness. That's idolatry. Maybe that's why the devil had an inroad to your health in the fourth place. Because your health is an idol. And the funny thing is, when you stop caring so much, not care, you take care of yourself because your body is the temple of the Lord. But when you stop being so afraid, then you see the healing power of God more. Don't forget, when they stopped looking at their wounds and started looking at Christ, to live, 
let me tell you something. People who really believe that to live is Christ will see the preservation, preservation of God more. I'm telling you. I mean, what an irony that when you stopped looking at the wound and started looking at the cross, then the wound was healed. Someone called it the scoreboard principle. You are playing basketball and you really want to win. You really want to win. Imagine you are now looking at the board. If you want the board to change, play the game. Come on, are you with me? <laughs> play the game. Focus on the game. Give the game your best. That's how the board will win. So the irony is, if the board will be favorable to you, the scoreboard will be favorable to you, you have to look away from it. Focus on the game. And the same thing, many times, Jesus promised you, those who save their life will lose it. It's an irony. It's an irony. Trust God with your life. Trust God with your life. Learn to, learn to laugh at trials. <laughs> learn to laugh at difficult situations. Don't let anything steal your joy. Come on, did you hear what I said? I said, do not let anything steal your joy. Preach that to the person by your side. Say, don't let anything steal your joy. Come on, I said, don't let anything steal your joy. If it is so big to you, it is because God is small to you. It was Andrew Womack who said that. If it is so big to you, God is small to you. And that's why some people get some bad news. Ah, your investment failed. Then they die. Imagine. People die. I'm not talking Nollywood or real life. Hey, bam. You know, it's so... So just imagine. Just imagine. Just imagine. Anything that must keep working for you to be alive is your idol. should anything make you apprehensive? Make you lose your sleep? Make you. I have a God who slept in the midst of a storm and to sleep. Can our men think it is more powerful that he rebukes the storm? I think it's more powerful that he could sleep in spite of it. Start practicing how to sleep in a storm. You don't know where the money will come from, but don't stop sleeping. Oh. <laughs> no matter what you're going through, if you stop sleeping, it will be worse. You, you, don't, you don't know 
the doctor said this, this, this. Whatever the doctor said, if you don't sleep, it will be worse. Sleep. <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No matter what it is, sleep. When you need to sleep, do what? He said he gives his beloved sleep. Sleep. <laughs> Have you seen gifted sleepers? <laughs> gifted sleepers. Is it? It's 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 a gift in my life. If I don't want to wake up, I know. <laughs> Gifted sleepers. Someone in school was ironing. <laughs> then he put his head on the iron. He was standing. Oh. <laughs> he was standing. Oh. He put his head like this and slept off. The, his friends had to remove the iron. He would have burnt the whole hostel. He slept like this. <laughs> My friend, don't kill yourself. Try to sleep. <laughs> Glory to God. Hey, it doesn't matter the mountain I face. God is bigger. That's how I glorify God. And when I glorify God, I keep my peace. Because only things that I think are bigger than God can truly petrify me. So start rehearsing. Is there anything the doctor will say that I say, ha? Ah! You know, people are always scared of that moment. The doctor will say, conjuncting. They're always long. That some, you don't know the meaning, but you know it's finished. <laughs> you may not know the meaning of many take care of a sin, but you know, this is not a good thing. <laughs> and that hand on the wall is just like doctor's handwriting. Like, they couldn't understand it. You know, <laughs> Hallelujah! Glory to God. Hallelujah. So you learn to glorify God in the midst of trials. Bigger than all my problems, bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain I can. My God is bigger than all the problems. Oh, bigger than God is bigger. I can bigger than every mountain. Bigger than everything. God is bigger. Hey. I can and cannot see. My God is bigger than oh. God is bigger than I can. Bigger than every sickness. Bigger than all disease. God is bigger than 
Open Psalm 34, verse 1. Climb, stand on, on your feet. Open Psalm 34, verse 1. You see, you will notice that as you begin to praise God, the Bible says they glorified God in their hearts, magnified God in their hearts. The problem will start getting smaller. It will start getting smaller. Psalm 34 verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually, 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 continually be in my mouth. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. His praise shall continually, continually. Just glorify God right now. Glorify God. Make sure He is as big in your spirit as He is in real life. Judge him bigger than all your problems. The Lord is my strength and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? Hey, what is in my future that is bigger than the God that, that is on my inside? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me. Therefore, I lay aside every weight of anxiety, of depression, and I glorify God. I praise Him. I praise you, oh God. I praise you, oh God. I trust 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 you, oh God. What shall separate me from the love of God? What can separate me from the love of God? I am persuaded <laughs> that neither life or death or things present or things to come or nakedness or peril or sword shall be able to separate me from the love of God in his Christ. Yea, in all things, in spite of all these things, I am more than a conqueror. In spite of all these things, I am more, 
more, more. I glorify you, oh God. I glorify you, oh God. I glorify you, oh God. You are big, 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 big in my life. Big in my life. Big in my life. Big in my life. Big in my family. Big. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. There's a song. Not all of you can relate to the first part, but I want to sing it because it's true about some of you. It says, I have made you too small in my life. Oh, Lord, forgive me. And I have believed in the lie that you are unable to hear me. But now, oh Lord, I see my wrong. Heal my heart. Then show yourself strong and in my life and in oh Lord, oh Lord, Lift your hands everywhere and sing it from your heart. Say, be magnified, oh Lord. You are highly exalted. You are highly exalted. And there is nothing. And there is in your hand, there's a part of the sermon I want to wrap up with. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, the last text of the day. This is a prophetic counsel. Prophetic counsel. Prophetic counsel. Hebrews 
12.2. Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, listen, meaning his perspective, his focus was the joy set before him. What have you set before you? Some people are always thinking about the trouble, always thinking about what the doctor said, always thinking about ah, what might go wrong tomorrow, always thinking about the lack. You have set lack before you. Set the report of the doctor before you, but he, for the joy that was set. This is a strategy for handling pain. So because of the joy, he was able to endure the cross. This is a strategy for endurance. Set something more positive before you. Stop thinking about this all the time. Sometimes you're having a good day. You remember you are moody again. For the joy. For the joy. Listen, so he set joy before him. Learn to set joy before you. Learn to just put it aside. Dwell on the positives. Listen, there are many good things that have been happening in your life that you are not even enjoying because of this problem. Ah, listen, Lord, I repent for any good thing that I have despised because of this thing I've been waiting for. You, you need to repent. Set joy before you. What are the things that are going right? What are the things that you are thankful for? What are the things you are happy about? Who for the joy? For the joy. For the joy. For the joy. For the joy. For the joy that was set before him. Despised the shame. By the way, despising is the opposite of glorifying. When you glorify, you magnify. When you despise, you minimize. What are you minimizing in your life? He despised the shame. He set joy before him and despised the shame. He set joy before him, despised the shame. This is a strategy for soul preservation. I despise the shame. I, des I despise the things that are not going well in my life. Yes, I want them to get better. I'm trusting that they would. I will continue to give it my best. But I won't magnify things that are not working instead of magnifying God. The only thing big in my life is God. And his promises over me. And his faithfulness over me. I despise the shame. And I set joy before me. Meaning, so listen, learn to create an environment of happiness, an environment of inspiration. No matter what you're going through. You don't have to look like what you're going through. You don't have to. So listen, I want you to practice this. You are a doer of the word, right? Listen, it's easier said than done. Tomorrow, the devil will try to, all right? But you despise the shame. And you set joy before you. Sometimes you do it by confessing. God is good. His mercies endure forever. His mercies endure forever. I may not be where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. Listen, the Bible says, listen, this is what David said. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. Sometimes in such a precarious situation, it's hard to do that. Your soul responds naturally to things that are delightful. But when things are not delightful, you command your soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, 
bless his holy name. I want to give you a few more seconds. Just bless him right now. Just bless him right now. Bless him right now. Bless him right now. Bless him right now. You know what God is doing? He's building your house on the rock. So that you'll be strong and solid. No matter what the future holds. Strong. Strong in faith. Strong in faith. Strong in faith. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Now, in the name of Jesus, in any way, anxiety, doubt, and fear created an inroad to the devil and his demons. Lord, we repent. And every foul devil that has used that opportunity to torment or to plague anyone here, in the name of Jesus, I command you to be expelled in Jesus' name. Now, some of you, there's a lady here, every night you dream, and it's quite alright, it's a spiritual attack, but it is your fear reflecting. Your fear reflecting in that dream. But in the name of Jesus, the Lord has given you deliverance by this word. Listen, you will see it, and I want you to share your testimony, because as you begin to dwell more, despising the shame and setting joy before you. The Lord is asking me to tell you that those dreams will begin to change. They will, they will begin to change. And you begin to dream of God's plan for you. God's word for you. So shall it be. Anyone that still hasn't recovered from any heartbreak, any relationship that didn't work, any contract that didn't pull through, any disappointment from the past, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke pain and regret. And like the Bible says, to lay aside weights, I see you dropping weights from off your shoulder. You are leaving this place lighter than you came. In the mighty name of Jesus, you are leaving this place with a fresh optimism about the future. I rebuke discouragement. I rebuke despair. In the name of Jesus. I say this over you prophetically that you know your God and you are strong and you do exploits. Go and do exploits. Past regrets are gone. Past disappointments are gone. See that better things are in your future. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Come on, give Jesus praise. Shout glory. Thank you, Jesus. Please be seated. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings. Blessings.